Good morning. It's Monday, July 19th. I'm Shamita Basu. Duarte Geraldino is off. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. The refugee Olympic team is cleared to compete in Tokyo after a brief scare involving a positive COVID test. It's an unusual squad made up of athletes who have fled their home nations. The team has grown in size since first competing in the 2016 Games in Rio. Just being there was a win, because a key goal for the team was to raise awareness of the more than 20 million people living as refugees worldwide. But the road to Tokyo has been challenging. Several athletes have left the team since Rio. I spoke with Vivian Walt, a correspondent for Time magazine, who's done some reporting on this. She talked to some refugee athletes who said they felt trapped and exploited by their training program. They never saw any prize money, they say, and they also felt under tremendous tight control. They felt effectively like they were basically the property of the Olympics Committee. It was just particularly poignant with the refugees because they had already fled the most horrific conditions anybody could imagine, and they wound up under the wing of the Olympics Committee and the UN Refugee Agency and found themselves compelled to kind of run again. You focus on one athlete in particular, Dominic Lokonyomo Lubalu, who's originally from South Sudan. What did he say about his decision to leave this training program? This was uh, something that had been building in him for a couple of years, that he had been in the Olympics training center, which is right outside Nairobi, the capital of Kenya. And it came to a head when he was in Geneva in Switzerland and won a big race. He ran a half marathon against 2,800 runners and he won Mm. um, by quite a big margin, actually. So he believed he was owed prize money, which was not given to him and the people from his training center in Kenya that had brought him to Switzerland were very, very evasive when he asked them questions about money. And he said the general attitude was that because they were refugees, they were expected to accept whatever they were given, even if it was nothing. Before dawn, he and another man left the hotel. And at that point, they were basically hiding from the police and hiding from the Olympics team. And he finally emerged and was taken under the wing of a running coach in Switzerland. And he has asylum in Switzerland. So what is being done, if anything, to address these concerns being brought up by athletes who are refugees? A lot of what people told me who had run away was that they felt completely stuck and that they felt that they had no opportunities to move beyond this training center. Well, this time around, they've made really sure that early on, they've been trying to get these athletes athletic scholarships somewhere else. And they believe that they might have made a deal with Canada to take um, four of the athletes who are going to Tokyo to take them in as refugees. The real problem after Rio 
was that the refugee team was so successful in Rio and had done such good things for the International Olympic Committee that they didn't want to let any of these athletes go. Mm. They didn't want to, you know, place them in other countries as, you know, as residents or put them on athletic scholarships, for example, in U.S. colleges because they wanted to field them for another Olympics. Hmm. Um, they can't do anything in Kenya. They can never get residence. They can never become Kenyan citizens, for example. They need to move to another country. Hopefully, the four of them will finally be able to do that after these Olympics. Vivian Walt with this distinct piece of reporting for Time magazine. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. The future of DACA is looking uncertain. The Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program was designed to protect undocumented immigrants who arrived in the U.S. as children. It prevents them from being deported and it allows them to work. But a new federal court ruling says the Obama-era program is illegal, putting a hard pause on approving new DACA applicants. Vox explains that puts more than 80,000 people who currently have an application pending in limbo. And it's put hundreds of thousands of people who are already protected by DACA on edge. President Biden promises to appeal the decision, but Vox points out the conservative makeup of the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals as well as the Supreme Court. So DACA faces an uphill legal fight. Ever since DACA was created, it's been in a tenuous state because it hasn't been passed into law by Congress. Most attempts died in the Senate because of the filibuster. The Trump administration scaled back the program after several attempts to end it completely. Senate Democrats may have a move that gets around the filibuster problem. They're reportedly considering including a path to citizenship for people under DACA and others in an upcoming reconciliation package. This could be passed without Republican support. It's not a guaranteed solution, though. Every Democrat would need to be on board. And Senate rules may not allow changes to immigration law to pass via reconciliation. Hiring is picking up as the economy starts to recover, but the Wall Street Journal explains that many jobs lost during the pandemic may never come back. During lockdown, a lot of companies changed the way they do business, invested in automation, and found ways to operate with fewer workers. Recessions are oftentimes when companies step back and evaluate spending. It's easier for businesses to make changes when things are slower. The journal cites the hotel business as a key example of an industry that's tried to cut labor costs. Many hotels are making room cleanings optional, not automatic. You may not care whether you get new towels every day in your room, but it's a big deal for people who work in housekeeping. A hotel workers union estimates that ending daily room cleaning could mean up to 180,000 jobs lost. It's a similar story in restaurants. During the pandemic, many rolled out menus and payments accessible on your phone. 
It was all about reducing contact, but it also meant less work for servers. And some restaurants are sticking with digital ordering, which means paying fewer workers. This is part of why the job market is such a mixed bag right now. There are tons of openings, but also lots of people having trouble finding work. That's a possible sign that there's a mismatch of skills. There are people whose experience is in jobs that are going away. So it may take longer for many workers to find jobs and vice versa. The 4th of July is in the rear view. Labor Day is over a month away. It's that time of the year when the days stretch out forever and the brutal heat can make it tough to get anything done. We're smack in the middle of the dog days of summer, where even dogs can't muster the energy to do much besides lay around and pant to cool off. National Geographic reminds us of the origins of that phrase, dog days, in ancient Greece and Rome. It doesn't have much to do with dogs or that feeling of summer laziness. It's all about the stars, specifically Sirius, which is the brightest star in the Canis Major constellation, or big dog in Latin. See, astronomers thought Sirius and the sun combined to make it hotter on Earth. Centuries passed and fewer people made the connection to the cosmos. Some people saw their pets struggling in the heat and assumed that's where the phrase came from. In any case, the Greeks weren't exactly right that the dog days are always the hottest days. Our view of the night sky slightly changes over time, very, very slowly. In about 13,000 years, Sirius will rise with the sun in the middle of winter. You can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app. And while you're in the app, keep listening to hear narrated articles from our News Plus partners. I'll talk with you again tomorrow.